Last Sunday, we began a study of 1 John. So go ahead and open your Bibles or cell phone apps up to 1 John. We studied through chapter 1 last week, which is only 10 verses long. So this morning, before moving on into chapter 2, let's go back and read through chapter 1 again. So 1 John chapter 1, starting in verse 1, it says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Verse 1, chapter 2. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Okay, so John gives us two reasons here in verse 1 for the writing of this letter. Number one, he's writing us this so that we may not sin. So he's telling us, and he's telling us too, right, that Jesus is the light, right? We are to walk in the light, confess the fact that we are sinners, and more specifically, confess our sins, right? And then when we do, we are to then walk in the light. Now, I went to great length last week to describe the difference between walking in the light and walking in darkness. And you can go back and listen to that teaching on either iTunes or at aloveoutreach.com. But we as born-again believers are not to walk in the ways of sin slash darkness any longer. We have now become through faith in the Lord and baptism in the Holy Spirit, we have become children of the light. The second reason that John gives here in verse 1 for writing this letter is to let us know that if we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he further explains this point in verse 2. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. 
That word propitiation there is a word that means to appease. Okay? Jesus appeased our sins. He relieved us of the guilt of our sins. He pacified that which we stood guilty of. Okay? And as verse 2 says, he didn't do this just for us, but he did it for the whole world. How did he accomplish this? Through the shedding of his blood upon that cross, right? Now, this is a good place in our study here this morning to break away from John's letter for just a bit and to take a look at the topic of sin. And Jesus, his propitiation or appeasement of the effects of sin in our lives. Okay, so let's go ahead and mark this page and turn in our Bibles to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. And let's start reading in verse 1. Romans 6, 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? So we just read back in 1 John chapter 2 that if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. But we see here in Scripture very plainly that we are not to continue in sin. So John in 1 John is talking about a sin that is the kind of sin that You don't willfully do, but rather you mistakenly fall into it, right? Otherwise, you would have a contradiction in the Word of God here, okay? So why would the Lord tell us through the Apostle Paul here in Romans 6 that we are not to continue in sin any longer and then go and tell us in 1 John chapter 2 that if we do sin, we have an advocate, As if sinning is okay. Well, that's not the case. That's not what the Word of God is telling us. You see, there is a big difference between willfully sinning and mistakenly sinning. Okay, If you choose to walk in darkness by fellowshipping with others who walk in darkness of sin, right? you cannot say, oh, I just made a mistake. No, because you didn't just make a mistake. You made a choice to put yourself in that circumstance, okay? Many professing Christians today walk in willful, repeated sin with no repentance. So if you are choosing to walk in the light, as we talked about last week, as we're seeing in 1 John, you're following the word of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're seeking as your top priority the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and you're focused on living in obedience to His word, and then you sin? Well, you have an advocate with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the righteous, He is our advocate. Why? Because your focus is on not sinning. Your focus is on being obedient to the will of the Lord. And being obedient to his word. But as we walk through this world, there's still sin all around us and we can make a mistake. But that's a totally different story than choosing to sin. 
Okay? So we do not have a license to sin so that grace may abound. Okay? Then verse 3 here in Romans 6 says, Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Now what does that mean? Well, it's explained to us really starting in verse 4. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. So don't ever think that baptism isn't a crucial part of the salvation experience because it is for sure. Okay, we know that the criminal on the cross next to Jesus was saved. Why? Because of his expression of faith in Jesus Christ, right? But he was nailed to a cross. If he hadn't been nailed to the cross and he was going to live more days on the earth, he would have been baptized for sure because that's the pattern that we see in the Bible of everyone who got saved. They were baptized. So baptism is very important because it expresses to us that and expresses to everyone else around us that we are dying to our old nature. So let's read verse 4 again in its entirety. Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So a person comes to Christ by placing their faith in him. They make a choice to repent or to turn from their willful acts of sin. And then they are baptized. And they come up from the waters of baptism. And at that point, they are be to begin to walk in a newness of life. They are at that point, you know, in life now where they, they, they realize they're not who they used to be. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. And a tree is then known by its fruit. A person that has come to Christ has repented and now walks in a completely different way than they used to. Because they walk now in a newness of life. Okay? And we are dead. And that's what Paul's pointing out here in Romans here as we read this. That we're dead to the sin. We're dead to that life where we continue willfully in sin. Verse 5. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Again, very clear from scriptures here that a born-again person has had their old man crucified and the old body of sin has been done away with. Verse 7, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ being 
raised from the dead dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Again, so very simple, very practical verses here. This is what Jesus did. And then this is how he went on to live after he did it. Then verse 11 says, likewise you. So in other words, just like Jesus did for you and me, we too are to do the same thing with this earthly life that we have. We die to sin and we live to God. Verse 11 again, likewise you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, do you see the difference here? You don't keep walking in sin. You now live in a newness of life. You have been born again. You've been made new. Verse 12, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. So that's a key point being made in verse 17 there. A person that has been made alive in God has obeyed from their heart the doctrine of the gospel okay, that they were delivered to. All throughout the New Testament, there is doctrine that we are to obediently obey. In other words, we are to actually live it out. We are to put it into practice what we read in the New Testament. Grace does not give anyone the right to choose sin without eternal consequences. Grace does not give anyone the right to choose sin without eternal consequences. Titus 2.11, I quote it all the time. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. So grace doesn't allow us to continue in sin, but it rather teaches us to do the opposite. It teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts and to live righteously and godly. Folks, there is a false doctrine of grace taught today. And it is ushering many people into eternal separation from God because they think they can continue in willful sin. And they're going to spend eternity separated from God because Scripture does not teach that you can continue in willful sin.
And having been, verse 18 goes on here and says, having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. So it's a whole new story now. The picture has changed. Everything's different. You've been born again. You used to be a slave to sin, but now you're a slave to righteousness. And you practice obedience to righteousness. Then in verse 19, the Apostle Paul says, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. So the very same effort, what he's saying here, is that very same effort that you would put into sinning, put that same effort into living righteously and in a holy manner, right? Set your eyes on different things now. Verse 20, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regards to righteousness. So in other words, when you're sinning, you're far from righteousness. You're on a completely different course. You by, But by sin, right, um, we're now, we're, excuse me, not by sin, but now we are free from uh, sin because of righteousness. Verse 21, what fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end, everlasting life. You see that? So at the end is everlasting life for the one who is now a slave of God and a slave of righteousness and holiness, right? And then verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So a very real, very clear distinction is made here between eternal life and death, between sin and righteousness. You can't have both in your life. You can't operate in both in your life willfully. It's one or the other. If you walk in sin, you walk in darkness. Then you do not have eternal life in Jesus Christ. We are to have put off the old man and we are to have put on the new man in Christ Jesus because we have been buried into the likeness of his death. And we have been raised again into the likeness of his life, that new life, a life of obedience to God. And as we turn back now to 1 John chapter 2, picking it up in verse 3, it says, Now by this we know that we know him. Okay? Verse 3, now by this we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. There's many people you can go up to and say, do you know Jesus? Oh yes, I know Jesus. I... But the Bible tells us here that if we say we know him, but we don't keep his commandments, 
then we are a liar and the truth is not in us. It's pretty cut and dry here. Okay. So again, John gives in verse 1 two reasons for the writing of this letter. One is so that we don't sin and the other is so that we know that Jesus is our advocate before the Father. Then verse 5 says, But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. Okay, so very clear there too. How can a person know that they are truly in Christ? By the fact that they keep his word. They keep his commandments. They practice it. They live it out. Verse 6. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. So we really are to be like Christ, aren't we? We can go back and read the Gospels. We can read the letters of those who hung around with Jesus. And we can find out what Jesus was like. How he walked when he was here on the earth. Then we can, inc- then we can increase our knowledge of him on these things. Right? And then by faith, we can begin to walk in the way that he walked. And we can live out our lives here in the manner that Jesus lived. Now, look, right, we know that sin is always going to exist around us as long as we walk on this earth in this lifetime. But to the born-again person, their relationship with sin is no longer the same. The born-again person no longer enjoys sin. The born-again person does not boast about the sin they once lived in. They are now ashamed of it. They don't plan to sin. They don't fondly remember their sins of the past and laugh and joke about it. When people bring up their past behavior, they have the born again person has a discomfort with it. And they then have the opportunity to share with that person. That's not who I am. Because of Jesus, that's not who I am. So again, though, sin sin still exists, but it's not the same for the born-again believer in Jesus Christ. Verse 7, Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. So John's not telling them or us anything new here. All of this that John is saying in this letter hasn't changed from the time you initially heard the word of God, repentant and been born again. Now, many people have fallen into the trap or the rut, if you will, of just being audience members within the body of Christ. In other words, they go and they sit before pastors or, or, or Bible teachers and they just, accept, they just simply accept what they hear. And they never read or study the Word of God for themselves to see if what they are told at church is really what the Bible teaches. And that's how we've got these false doctrines that have been taught nowadays, right? And if it is what the Bible is really saying, right, 
when they go and listen to it, many are just satisfied with being audience members and they never get up and get out and live like the Bible commands them to. They're satisfied with just being a forgetful hearer of the word rather than a doer. So there are some professing Christians today to whom these commandments really are new to them in a sense because they're not familiar with the Word of God. Even though they profess Christianity, they don't know the Word of God. So these people, when they read and they truly study the Word of God, for the first time they come to an eye-opening and enlightened experience because they have for the first time come to the living Word of God. So to that person it might be a new commandment, even though they've professed Christianity. But again, John is, is just saying that it's not new news, right? But then in another sense, there is something new. And, and verse 8 says, again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. So something new really is happening in the life of the born-again believer because Jesus has made all things new. And like it says there, the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The Lord Jesus begins something new in our hearts. A new light comes in us and it begins to chase out the darkness. And we begin to have a desire to no longer want the darkness. We don't want to continue in sin because of this new life that has come within us. And we are no longer slaves of sin, but rather we are children of the light. Then John's going to go ahead and, and give us another example of a person that is in the light. Verse 9, he who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So just another clear-cut way to know if a person has been born again and has come to the light of Jesus Christ. This person is no longer a person of hate, but is now rather a person that is filled with the love of God. You see, Jesus gave us a great commandment, didn't he? He said in John 13, he said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, Jesus said, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So John here is making it clear because Jesus himself made it clear that a person that truly is a disciple of Jesus Christ is a person of love. And we will go ahead and stop here for today. We'll pick up the rest of this chapter next week. But again, I encourage you to stay the course as a born-again disciple of Jesus Christ. Get into the Word of God on your own. Use the Word of God to examine your own life. How are you living as it pertains to the written Word of God? If you examine the life you live under the light of the living word, do you find that you indeed 
are a follower of Jesus Christ, as the Bible explains. Right? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We will never in this lifetime be able to say that we have arrived, but Jesus has conquered sin on our behalf. And we need to live in a manner that exemplifies a life of walking in the light. The born-again Christian no longer willfully walks in darkness. And we should take this, this new light that Christ has shined in our hearts, and we should allow for it to be seen by all the world around us. And they should look at us and say, there's something different. In far too many ways today, the body of Christ looks all too similar to the rest of the world around us. And this ought not be the case. But it starts with us as individual disciples. And we must not accept willful sin or for that matter, accept it anywhere around us. We shouldn't accept it in our lives for sure, but we shouldn't fellowship with the darkness either okay we must be living out the life as obedient followers of the word of life jesus christ let's pray